From the Mitchell Center to Coleman Coliseum, the Bartow and Trojan Arenas. From Veterans Memorial Stadium to Legion Field to Hancock-Whitney Stadium. With a combined 75 years of experience in the sports radio world, these guys have spent their professional lives roaming the stadiums and arenas that host your favorite teams. And now, they invite you to join them inside the press box. Get ready for Chris Stewart. Throws it out. Norris left alone. Corner three. Red smoking hot. J.D. Byers. Three-step drop. Steps up. Looks. Swatted down. Set. Down he goes. Mike Grace. Curveball right back up the middle. They'll wave out and around third base. Slides into the dogs and won it. And the broadcasters, journalists, coaches, and game changers making today's news. <laughs> They're all here inside the Press Box. Welcome to the Press Box Podcast. For my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Grace. What you're about to hear is just a slice of our Press Box radio show. Heard on great stations across Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. The show is our way of sharing with you the access we enjoy to a group of friends and colleagues who, like us, have the honor of working with and around the teams and the sports we all love. A little something special for you on today's Press Box podcast as we bring you two guests to recap spring football at Alabama and Auburn. Each team enjoyed their A-Day games this past weekend. We recapped them courtesy of the color analyst on both the Auburn Sports Network and the Crimson Tide Sports Network. You'll hear from Stan White talking about Auburn in just a moment. But we start with John Parker Wilson of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. He talks about what Alabama's A-Day means for players both past and present. From you know a player that's currently on the team perspective, the A-Day game, it is unique because, I mean, really, it's just the 15th practice for these guys of spring ball. Um, but there's a lot on the line for it. You know, there's it is yeah. kind of like a game situation. We've got a ton of guys that are early enrollees right now that, that should still be in high school, but uh, we're able to get on campus. So it's really nice for them, I think, just to kind of get their feet wet and know what um, fall football could possibly look like. You know, there was, I think, 47,000 people there in the stand. So not, you know, not what it's going to be like, but you kind of get the feeling. So when you're there in August and September, it's it's not the first time you've been there. And it's it's a fun time because you do get to kind of put your put your mind in what it's going to be like. And that's, that's what's most important. And, and Saban's so good at creating these game-like situations, whether it's in practice or at a scrimmage. Um, so you do have some confidence out there in the fall. And then from a from a former player standpoint, there's really nothing better um, to me than than, you know, being that captain to be in putting your feet and your handprints and concrete. That's that's going to be there, you know, for for the foreseeable future. And, um, you know, that's an important position because your your teammates select you select those guys. That's that's who. Uh, the rest of your team looks up to. They vote for it at the end of the season. So to me, there's there's no bigger honor than, you know, being recognized from your peers as a guy that was a leader and for that team on a historic team. I mean, we heard how much that team means to Coach Saban, and and it was it was you know probably never going to be replicated. Ten SEC games, perfect season, three Heisman Trophy uh, finalists in the top five. So truly a historic season. I know those guys had fun just coming back and enjoying it because 
when you're in it, when you're a player and you're in it, you I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I know you don't realize how big how big the situation is, how big it means across this state. And it's kind of cool to be able to take a step back and say, "Wow, look at look at all that we accomplished." John Parker Wilson is in the press box. J.D. Byers, Chris Stewart, Mike Grayson, uh, J.T.B. That was the direction I was going. Was about kind of enshrining yourself as a game captain, your hands and your cleat prints in the concrete uh, out near Denny Chimes. I got to ask is, you know, you got to put cleats in concrete. Is that something though, where you take them out of the concrete and say, I'm going to let this concrete dry right here on these cleats and these become a keepsake in themselves. And are those cleats still in your possession? Good question. No, they're not. I think they take (laughs) them and I think they put them in in the Bryant museum um, I don't know what happened to those cleats. I would love to have them, but one, I don't have a lot of memorabilia. I did keep a lot of, uh, footballs that we, um, um, at the end of the game in my senior season, we had the chance to do it a lot where we would kneel the ball, you know, go to victory <laughs> yeah. formation. So I was able to hold on to those and I didn't throw them in there. I was like, I'm keeping these bad boys. So I kept those. The coolest thing that I do have, and, and it's funny, you said cleats when we played, um, my senior season, the last game at Bryant Denny Stadium, we played Auburn, and we had to win because um, we we hadn't beat them yet. We hadn't beat them in like six or seven years, so it was a rainy game. It was uh, you know wet field, and I do have those cleats, and they're really cool because they've got red and white paint still all over them. So those are in my possessions. They're they're in they're in the closet right now, but one day I'll uh, I'll put them out. It's pretty pretty cool piece of memorabilia. You know, I think if you if you're if you're have the privilege of having your hands and cleat prints there. And then your, your child goes on to college at, at Alabama. I think part of the penance of you paying the tuition and the bills are, Hey kiddo, once a month, you need to go out there with a toothbrush and scrub daddy's uh, square and, and make sure you take the pressure washer out there. Make sure it's nice and clean. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> or, or now they got that wet and forget. You can just spray that, and it rains a couple times. It's nice and clean. But that, that, that should be part of the kid going to college where you uh, had such a great athletic performance. I, I completely agree. He's got to keep it going. Keep it keep it looking up. good. Keep it clean. Because um, there's so many going up now. You know, I'm getting further and further away from the bottom. The, the, all these years have passed. It's been, what, uh, 12, 13 years since I was there. So it's, it, these, these years are starting to add up quickly, man. It's crazy. Crazy to think of. All right, the next guy's Bryce Young. What would you think? I think he played well. I think he handled the situation really nicely. Um, what did he finish? 25 of 44, had 333 yards. I think he worked the ball around really nicely. He had seven different guys um, catch the ball. So he was able to, to, I think, really go through his reads, understand the situation. And I think more than anything, he kept his composure all day long. He didn't. Um, escaped the pocket too quickly. I think a couple times he did pull the ball down nicely to run, uh, which I think in a typical game would have been a first down. But, you know, with the A-day rules, they, they, they stopped him a little short. But we saw the arm strength. We saw the accuracy. He ran it really good, ran the offense really good. So I think he played um, about as good as you could ask. But, you know, I think Paul Tyson played good too. He, um, he showed that he can be the guy and sit back there in the pocket, has a huge arm. Um, didn't force it, and I think he he played well. So I think our quarterback situation is really good. And you you can tell these guys are pushing each other. They want to be the guy. They want to elevate the team. Um, and I think their biggest job is not only to develop themselves throughout uh, summer and tr- and fall training camp, but develop the wide receivers and just to get on the same page and 
And uh, I think we saw some some new guys step up with, you know, Mechie not playing. And it was uh, it was nice to see the quarterback receiver unit, I think, all in all, having a pretty good day. Now, I think we can clean up some efficiency. You know, one of the things we saw the past couple of seasons for Mac Jones was um, not, not a, you know, when he went somewhere with a ball, it was with a purpose, whether it was down the field, uh, trying to take a shot or finding a, a check down or a mid-level guy. There was always a purpose. And, you know, he set the record for quarterback efficiency. I think he finished like 77%, which is just it's hard to even think about. So there's a lot of room for improvement, but I think both guys had a really good day. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there on the sidelines doing the stuff I was doing for the Jumbotron and getting former players. And I look and you, all right, in two years' time, you lose Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. Those are, those are four that would be the Mount Rushmore of wide receivers at most programs. But at Alabama, those are those are four that you've lost in two years, and then a Jai Hall steps up and does what he did. I mean, they not that he's automatically that. I'm not saying that, but it's not as if it ain't as if there's not weapons available for the guy. That's incredible to see how he has continued to restock, reload. They won't look exactly the same, but they'll still look better than what they face most Saturdays. No doubt, no doubt. I think you know. Paul's been there for just a few months, so really didn't get a chance to see those guys before him. You know, Javon Baker, uh, Mechie, Xavier Williams, Slade Bolden, they've been in the room and they know what it what it takes and they know what the work ethic looked like. And I think that I think that's really important to 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 know what the blueprint is and and in saying, you know, if I'm doing anything less than what Devontae did sitting after practice. Devontae caught 100 balls after every practice. And, and Coach Saban's practices are not easy, right? He sat yeah. there. So the blueprint's been set, and I think it does wear off on other guys. And I, and I think it was I think it was Ruggs in one of the interviews. I think Roger Hoover got him, and he talked, and he even said it. And I thought this was really, really neat that he said, you know, the legacy has been set for these guys. They know what it takes. And he, he went on to say, you know, I trust that they're going to do the right thing and get there. But there is a high – a high bar right now for these wideouts in what has become, you know, wide receiver university. This, this is, this is kind of who we are and become our identity of scoring points um, and, and getting the ball downfield. So I think, I think the players realize it and know that it's, it's not a burden, but it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity to go out there and keep it going. And, and it's going to be fun for these guys of, of knowing that, um, Hey, coach, coach Saban likes to throw the ball. He likes to score points. So, I want to be the guy to do it. Um, I think they're they're in a really good situation, and I think that's why we are seeing so many of these top wideouts choosing Alabama because of of really the commitment to to putting the ball in there to to score points, and that's what you want as a wide receiver and a quarterback. Uh, the uh, Jai Hall, you mentioned six foot three out of Florida. The four grabs, Roydell Williams, running back. Fourth string last year, of course, uh, Brian Robertson was injured, so he, he gets uh, 108 total yards. But uh, tell us about Chris Braswell. Three sacks, including a strip fumble, and that, I think, it led to, created a defensive score in that game. But Chris Braswell, with some guys not playing, got a lot of uh, attention and playing time in the spring game. Yeah, I think our linebackers played really well. Braswell's a guy, second-year guy. 
um, you know, five-star recruit a couple of years ago. So a really highly recruited guy coming in. Um, but realizing that, um, you know, Dylan Moses is leaving. There's a huge void right there in the middle. So who's that guy going to be? Um, you got Will Anderson and, and um, Chris Allen on the, on the pass rusher. So Raswell stepped up. I think Deontay Lawson played really good. Um, Jalen Moody at that middle linebacker position played well. And, you know, to me, though, this defense kind of feels old school Coach Saban where we're going to have some big, physical, fast defensive linemen, some some uh, linebackers through the middle that are going to be bruisers and, and not be scared to go hit you and get downfield. And then athletic guys on the end that can cover, that can rush, that can really do it all. I mean, I, as as big as a question mark defense was uh, for us last year going to the season, I think I, I really do. This is this is old school statement where we're going to, you know, even 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 building on a season last year as, as poor as we started, we finished as strong as you could be. I think Pete Golding led all SEC in scoring last year for defense. So these guys are are, are ready to go. And, and, I, and I think that getting some playing time like for Braswell, Des Moines Kennedy played really well, too. Um, there, there, there's there's a lot of opportunities for these guys, and I think they're going to get it, and that's what you want. You want to see people step up and not be scared of, hey, you're you, you're going to be the guy if you just do these two or three things to get there. To to me, just the mentality is, hey, we got to step up and we got to keep this thing going, and it's it's fun to watch. It's just the culture that that has been continuing to build, I think, is even stronger than it, than it than in the past. John Parker Wilson, the former Alabama quarterback, now analyst on the Crimson Tide Sports Network, joining us in the press box to recap a day for Alabama and head coach Nick Saban. We talked to Auburn Stan White of the Auburn Sports Network about Brian Harson's first A-Day with the Auburn Tigers and what Stan likes from first-year head coach Brian Harson. I really like what I'm seeing. I think he's going to do some special things. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's not going to be an overnight process. We all know that. But uh, I think he's going to do some really good things, and he's laid a good foundation so far. Let me ask you about this, and it's, this probably is tough to answer, but you're going to know because you've been around it a long time just like I have. You're, you're going to know what I'm talking about when I say this. There have, been some, there have been some guys in both Auburn and Tuscaloosa that – are, are good coaches, have great resumes, have great track records, and are, and are not necessarily bad coaches, but they're not from here. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't really work. What what leads you to believe that that will be different with Brian Harson? You know, I, I think a lot of times, and you know, winning the press conference and, and first impressions can be overrated a lot. But, yeah. but in some cases, I think they're I think they're good and they're important. And and one thing that I, I like that stuck out with me about Brian Harson, first of all, we all know Auburn is one of the toughest jobs, if not the toughest in America right now. And it's because of what Nick's done over in Alabama. I mean, let's face it. I mean, that's that's you know, the elephant of the room is is, you know, hey, this is a guy you're going with four million people in a state, and he's won national championships about every other year since he's been there, which is that's a run that you don't know. I mean, he's won more than anybody else. And so, you know, why would you take this job? Why would you want to come in and do that? And, and he's like, man, if you want to be the ultimate competitor, you want to compete against the ultimate people. And so that's the one that, that I really was impressed with is like, look, I'm not backing down from anybody. You know, I'm in this business to compete. Obviously I want to make a living, but you know, I want to compete at the highest level. Well, you know what? You're jumping into the deep end of the pool. And so you're going to get it. And so I think he knows exactly what he wants. And, you know, and, and to back it up, 
you know, you got to play Alabama every year. Oh, and you got to play Georgia in the East every year. And you get, you get a chance to play LSU every year. And now A&M, who's really come on the scene as a consistent top 10. So, uh, you know, and I'm leaving out guys like Lane Kiffin, who you got to go against and as competitive as heck with this offense. So, yeah, I like the fact that he knows. I mean, he's not going to be surprised by what he's jumped into. I'm sure he did his homework, his due diligence. And, uh, and I like that he wants this challenge. And, uh, and you know, I remember, oh, gosh, how long has Nick been in Alabama? 13 years now? Not long enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is, he, is, he, is he 79 yet? We need to go ahead and no. get him on. He's 59 <laughs> still. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I remember when he came in and said something to his press conference, and I'm paraphrasing about, hey, we got an opponent across the state that we're going to work 365 days, you know, a year to dominate and so forth and so on. And, and uh, you know, hey, I, 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 like, I like that. I mean, I like that. Yeah. You got to go in and say, look, man, they beat us, I don't know, six or eight years or whatever, how Auburn had that run going, and he didn't back down from it. It kind of reinvigorates your, your fan base and your energy. And I think that's what Brian's done. Nothing against Gus, and they, they, he did a great job for Auburn. Had more success against Nick Saban than any other coach. And and so – but I think Brian just brings a new energy. And, and you know, eight years at one place is a long time uh, these days. So Gus did – you know, he obviously did a great job, but – but I think a new energy is is what Bryant brings. I think it's going to be really exciting. Stan White's our guest inside the press box. Uh, we'll talk about Bo Nix in a moment. But uh, So Elijah Canyon emerged a really good wide receiver in the spring game, Javarius Johnson as well. But Canyon, I, I mentioned him, six targets, six catches, and a TD uh, led the spring game in receiving. I, I know you, you didn't get to take that in, but you did get to see him stand – in the Citrus Bowl, that 57-yard touchdown catch, it seems to be a carryover, and he'll fill a big hole there at wide receiver for Auburn this uh, this fall. Yeah, exactly. I think he's the guy that really I'm excited more than anybody uh, offensively to watch because of that little taste we got in the Citrus Bowl. He's a big target, rangy. Uh, Capers was out injured, so you know he was a guy that was that played a lot a lot more last year actually, uh, and, and than than Canyon did, and so. Um, when you lose Seth uh, Williams and Flash and and uh, uh, Eli, who'd been there for a long time, Eli Stove, uh, you know you got you got some holes to fill. But I'm excited about this re- receiving core. And you mentioned Johnson as well, a local guy. I mean, he's a smaller product, but he's a shifty guy. And Brian likes to use that slot uh, position in a little bit different ways. So uh, yeah, I think that receiving core could be the sleeper. Uh, of that team offensively this year, just because there, there'll be some new faces. Uh, you know, you lose three of your top receivers and, and you got to, you, you know, you learn some names again. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see, you know, Bo's decision-making. I've heard really good things about that. And, and he's a junior now. And of course he's got, I mean, he's the veteran of the SEC. now, And, and so, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see, and you got your offensive line, who's got all your guys back. Uh, you know, they had some injuries here and there and had some moments where they uh, – learning moments last year. But now those guys have got some more playing time under their belt. Uh, want to see who's going to step up. you got to have three uh, three running backs in the SEC. I mean, you just got to. Of course, Tank Bixby is that solid one. And then you got Worm, uh, Shivers uh, is that guy that's a five-to-seven touch guy. And then who's who's going to be the next guy? So, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm excited to see that receiving core. Stan, put it in perspective for us what Bo Nix is up against being Bo Nix. He's Patrick's son. He's the guy that everybody talked about coming out of high school. 
you know, I mean, you, I've talked to you about it. I saw you play your, I saw you play in the state semifinals at, at Barry and you leading the bucks on a drive against Miter to, to win the game, put you in state championship. And then everybody's expecting everything of you. Once you get to either Alabama or Auburn, there's a lot on you. You add in the weight of being Patrick Nix's son. That's a lot on that young man. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, and, and he came in much heralded five star, uh, you know, one of the top five quarterbacks in the nation. And, and, and then you add to it, your legacy and people expect you to come and, and be, and we just talked about it, be the next Bo Jackson. Well, Bo Jackson changed a program because Auburn was, was on the, you know, average side at best at that time. Uh, and, and so, you know, Auburn is not average. And I think Bo sometimes would come in and I think that he would put too much pressure on himself because of his name and, and his stature. And, and, and one thing I think that he's, he's done a lot of good things down there. He was SEC freshman uh, of the year. And, and so a lot of people overshadow that because there's been some inconsistencies in, in decision-making and sure there have been, there's no question the pocket presence and everything, but you know, I think at, at times there was a lot more pressure he put on himself because he wanted to do too much. And he would admit that to you. He, I mean, he I think he wanted to, to, to carry that team on his shoulders. And, and now with the way offenses are and defenses, you don't necessarily have to do that. And a perfect example, that's Mac Jones at Alabama. I mean, you know, this is a guy who had tremendous talent around him and he's a tremendously talented player as well. And I don't think anybody would think that said, okay, Tua is one of the best, if not the best to ever come through Alabama. Well, Mac Jones, who athletically may not be up to it, Tua, had the greatest year maybe a quarterback's ever had at Alabama. I think he did maybe by numbers and everything. And and, and you wouldn't say he's a 4-4 quarterback and throw it 75 yards. And so I think he realized, I think Bo's got to realize, and I think he is realizing this, that, look, I, I just got to utilize the, the talent around me. And not be a game manager, no, by, by any mistake, because Bo's a great athlete. I mean, he, you know, he can, he should average maybe 40 to 50 yards a game rushing this year because he is that type of threat. I think just settling in and, and realizing, hey, this is my role. I'm the leader of the offense. Um, and I think Brian and, and, and Mike Mobo will put him in situations where he understands that now, hey, guys, I don't have to, you know, run for 120, throw for 300, and win the game for us. I just got to be a good quarterback in this league, as tough as can be, and we'll be okay. Stan White, the former Auburn great, now analyst on the Auburn Sports Network broadcast of Tiger Football, helping us here recap a day inside the press box. Catch our daily show weekdays on great stations around the state of Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. You can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at PressBoxRadio1. That's PressBoxRadio and the number one. And, of course, we always would love to hear from you. Email us at PressBoxRadio1 at gmail.com. Again, PressBoxRadio, the number one, at gmail.com. For Chris Stewart, for J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Gray saying thanks for joining us here on the PressBox Podcast.